Hi, I'm Amy Porter. Some of you know me as a flutist and a classical musician, others as a professor, and some of you know me as a publisher and arranger. I'm a stepmom, I'm a business owner, and I'm the founder of a couple of nonprofits. And this is my podcast. My core mission as an entrepreneur is to appreciate what I have around me. And then I try and see as clearly as possible how I can help. So let's talk. Let's share information. Let's laugh and sometimes cry over the things that we have to work through in life and in music, in business and family and relationships. Come on into my Porter Flute pod. Welcome to Porter Flute Pod. This is episode 10 in our second season. We are pairing our flute etudes with our flute issues. So what issues can we help you with today and solve them through etudes? In the podcast, Asking Questions are Justine Sudkey and Ellen J. Tomasetti. And I went to find my edition of the 32 Rows Etudes for Flute. These are based on the etudes of Franz Wilhelm Fairling. And I published them with Carl Fisher. So these are oboe etudes that were transcribed into clarinet etudes and then transcribed into flute etudes. So you'll be hearing them throughout the podcast. We're so glad you're here. start by saying, I am going to address the etudes that are intermediate level and maybe a bit beginner level. I'm not going to be talking about those showpieces, uh, the Paganini Caprices, the Perpetuum Mobile by Paganini. I'm not going to be discussing the Cargaylor Caprices or the Capricci by Di Lorenzo. I feel that those are quite advanced. And I'd like to just keep it a little bit less stressful. So what purpose do etudes serve if we aren't using them for skill, right? We, we don't want to use technical showpieces meant to impress, not to serve. I think it makes us feel overly empowered and at the same time stressed out. So pick an etude that's right for your skill, Today, I'd like to do some prescriptive pairings for the issues you may have on the flute, and I'll pair them up with some of our most beloved etude composers, and also showcase the Fairling Rose Porter etudes. Remember that flute professors and clarinet professors and oboe professors were the original composers of etudes for their instruments, and I'm so happy this tradition is carrying on. Let's take a moment to consider this, too. What would pedagogy be without etudes? It's like having math class, and you have to show examples of the math. And if you want to get any work or you want to solve the equations, you have to do a lot of examples first. So etudes serve the purpose of the examples. And with depth and inclusivity, you can find articulations, you can find speed, you can find tone, you can find key signatures. All skill sets are tested in etudes, and it is in this practice we find our solutions. (music) ¶¶ 
let's start with the bad tone day. I've spoken about it on YouTube. I've spoken about it in my movie, Anatomy of Sound, but it still comes up. What do I do with my fuzzy sound, Professor Porter? What etudes can I turn to? Well, I posed that question to my student, Sandra, this week. And Sandra answered between etude one through six of of, uh, Fairling, uh, adapted by Rose. Out of the Rose etudes, she chose number one. And that's the etude you heard at the top of this podcast during my welcome. She felt that this etude gave her time to think about her sound, gave her enough time to consider what she was going to do next to make that sound better. She also mentioned gravity. You see, this etude starts on a low C, and that's not easy. So we did it five times, this entrance, and she was future thinking it and overthinking it until then all of a sudden it became like natural. Gravity did its thing. She let go. She enjoyed singing with the airstream. She connected with the inner membrane of the lip. And don't forget that we have a lot of options beyond the, the, the straight tone to solve our uh, tone issues. I think we can do interval slowly, you know, anything medium to slow would be really great uh, if you're feeling you only have 15 minutes and you really want to get your, your sound a little better. Please enjoy the middle of Rose Etude number one, the Andante Cantabile. Um, it's just such a beautiful melody to play. And consider this, if you're really trying to find your sound, play a melody, play music. scenario number two articulation speed the issue is my tongue is feeling kind of sluggish today and we are rehearsing Mendelssohn's Italian symphony this morning I want to be as warmed up as possible for it help professor Porter what are some of the etudes that help me get up to speed well the Italian symphony is triple tonguing and so you don't want to be tired for it you want to make sure that the muscle the tongue is really really ready to work and not overworked so I wouldn't suggest playing Altez number 19 which is triple tonguing uh, right before rehearsal but maybe in the days before 
rehearsal, Altez 19. Now, make sure you're thinking up all the time. You don't want to find every nail to hammer. You don't want to feel down and accent every note. You want to lose weight on articulation. You want to have the tip of the tongue working. Tiny Tina taps in her tutu on her tiptoes. If you'd like combinations of things, Altez Altez offers so much in terms of articulation. So you can turn to Altez number 21 for the one and three combination, double tonguing. You can turn to Altez 12, the long, short, long, short combination, Altez six. I think for two and two, uh, nothing's better than Anderson opus 15, number 15. And if you'd like a Mozartian articulation slur to tongue to, look no further than Garibaldi four. I'm going to play Rose excerpt um, from number four. Study number four incorporates the combinations of slur to slur to and double tonguing. So I find that this excerpt works everything in combination quite well. Scenario number three. It's about connecting slurs. We got to sight read Brahms' first symphony today in rehearsal, but I noticed that all my slurs are broken and they aren't as smooth as I want them to be. And we have sectionals tomorrow morning and I don't want to get called out for not matching the first player. Help, Professor Porter, what etudes can I play tonight to help me with connecting my own legato lines and slurs? Well, I would suggest taking that Brahms first symphony solo with the intervals and transposing it into different keys using the tuner and seeing that the intervals are true but this starts on an E so basically in Brahms make sure that you're tuning your E do you need the right fifth finger or not which is the correct vibrato speed to use so just make sure that within the intervals you're thinking about lots of other connections Airflow is really a big deal. We want to make sure that the phrase is going forward as if it were in one octave. So if you have big intervals that are leaping, why don't you just put it into one octave just for a minute? Do you know how to jump? Well, in order to go up, you go down first. So I would suggest focusing on the bottom notes when you want the pop note to then, through momentum, pop out. For octave help, look no further than Ernesto Kohler's Romantic Etude Number 9. And if you want even more fun, Altez Number 10. And I would say if you really want some warm-ups, turn to Moise Etudes and Exercises Number 3 and Number 6. For slurring, I'd put a fermata at the top and go slowly. I'm going to use today Rose Etude Number 5. This is an excerpt from Measure 38, and it's Antagio con Espressione. Mm-hmm. 
this is a scenario that I can relate to. I have my juries tomorrow and I'm playing Shondolinos, but my low register has been in a fog today. And those low repetitive Ds aren't popping out like they used to. Help, Professor Porter. What etudes can I play to help me refresh my low register? Well, today I'm looking to Moise for this low register remedy. Moise wrote a book called Etudes et Exercises. And I'm stealing this from another teacher. It's amazing. Um, my students study with this teacher, Robert Langevin. So he, this is how he does it. And so I stole it. Um, it's page 16, number 12. You're going to start with haha. And you're just going to go ha 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 ha. And now I did it for eight, eight bars. And then you're going to do it two ways. Just ha ha. And by ha ha, I mean really no articulation, no use of the tongue at all. Yes, correct. The tongue is going to be told to not do anything and it's going to rebel. But you are going to first do ha ha disconnected. And then you're going to turn around and do it again connected. And that will help you with chandelinos. That is ha ha with two two or do do on top of it. Like the ha is the diaphragmatic pressure. The do is the release. And then you're connecting it with the air. So really, this is the most the most brilliant exercise for chandelinos. It's Moise Etudes and Exercises, I'll say it again, page 16, number 12. I am going to do it for you and just put it all out there for you to hear. Scenario number five, breath control and long phrases. Here's one. I'm recovering from a cold and I don't feel like I have the lung capacity I did when I was feeling well. Help, Professor Porter, what etudes can I play to help my breath control and hold longer phrases while I recover? Well, I'll have to kind of say, being one who's had pneumonia several times in my life, I know what it feels like to not be able to hold a long phrase. That's why I am so passionate about keeping the air in. And that's what we have to do. But the lungs, if they're not feeling well, they're going to push it out. So make sure you're relying also on your diaphragm. Breath control is based on the diaphragm, keeping it down and tricking it into staying down. As I talk to you, I'm running out of air. But as I breathe in, the diaphragm is sinking back down, allowing me to breathe normally. As I breathe and talk, I'm hardly using any air. But if I breathe and play the flute, there's no resistance. 
there's no resistance on that head joint. It is very hard. So what we do is we try to keep the diaphragm going down. So we do breathing scales and breathing scales are two octaves in a row slurred at a certain tempo. So you can do three tempi a day. Try 88 and do a couple of scales and then 84 and do a few scales and then 80. So you have three different tempos and you trick yourself into slowing down. And then the next week, that top number of 88, that top number will be 84. The second number will be 80 and then 76. So every week, you'll go down by four. The third week, 80, 76, 72. You get it. Those are breathing scales. If you'd like to know the number one cure for the Mendelssohn's scherzo in you know, one breath at the end, that is breathing scales. And then Altez 22 is a duet rendition of Mendelssohn's scherzo. Check out Anderson Opus 15, number three. Are you interested in circular breathing? There's lots and lots of resources, including Will Offerman's Etude number 10. I'm going to play Rose Etude number five for you. I think if you're not feeling well, this is the best etude to play because you can go for a little while and then take a nice luxurious breath. Scenario number six has to be finger twisters. Awkward finger twisters. It's really cold out and my fingers are feeling a little stiff. My scales are fine, but anything more complicated than that, I'm struggling on. And we're playing some pretty tricky pieces in wind ensemble. And the composer's quite ambitious in the flute parts. Help, Professor Porter, what etudes can I play to help me make my fingers more nimble and ready for awkward finger twists? Well, I would say Finger Busters by Mike Mower would help. Those are some of the hardest finger busters I've ever heard or studied. They're jazz finger busters. So if you're looking for classical finger busters, you can look no further than, of course, Riker Daily Exercises Opus 5, Makar, or even Barrer's Flutist Formula. If you're looking for more, then check out Anderson Opus 15, number 7, those neighboring notes mixed in with chromaticism. You see, you have to pick the key signature you work in and then pick a composer to solve your issues within the genre. So perhaps you're looking to more meaty contemporary etudes, but 
just make sure that you're serving your purpose. For me, grace notes, they're my bone of contention. They're my pet peeve. And so I let the little notes go. But listen, there's this analogy here that like little children, even the smallest notes need the most care. So I chose to play Rose Etude number 22, Allegro Materato. It's got a lot of grace notes. Final scenario, an etude that hits everything in one go. So here it is. I'm coming home from a long day of exams, studying, and even though I'm tired, I still have enough energy to play an etude rather than a solo work or some of my excerpts. Help, Professor Porter, what etudes can I play to end my day that feel like a solo piece, much shorter and still covers many of the topics we talked about today? Well, at that point, you can incorporate Paganini 24 or Cargaylor 30th Caprice, or how about that grand finale study of Drouet? You can also hit Anderson Opus 15, number 24. I'm going to end the podcast with Rose, well, Fairling, then Rose, and then Porter. The Andante, it's number 23. I like it because it starts with an introduction, much like some of First Now's etudes. They start with an introduction and then you launch into the etude. And don't forget to have an etude party when you're finished a method. Just complete with applause and a happy dance. I certainly hope that we've helped with your etuditis in this podcast. Join us for our next podcast, Business 101. We'll be featuring managers and PR and marketing, and we're going to have a special guest, Nicole Ricardo from NR Media. You can find more about me at amyporter.com or porterflute.com, and on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm Porter Flute. Thanks for being here. I'm so grateful for you.